your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ATP. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan, following Everton's first win of the Premier League season, their longest wait for their first win of the Premier League season in over a decade since 2010-2011. A seven-match run without a win comes to an end. Move into 13th place in the table ahead of the international break and remain unbeaten in five. So all around a positive result for the Toffees, which we will discuss in great detail. Before we do that, a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Helps us out a ton. Please do it. Uh, follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. A great community. We'll be shouting out a number of members throughout this episode. Without further ado, let's just get right into it, guys. First win of the season. Always fun to record a pod. And we'll go to instant reactions from our friends on Twitter. Alex, your selection first. All right. First up, we've got Pennsylvania Toffees at PA Toffees. Patterson and Iwobi were immense. This is the team we've been looking for, pace and vision we have not seen in quite some time, admittedly against a poor form West Ham, but we needed that for morale, encouraging signs of what this team can be once everyone is healthy and in form. Couldn't agree more. Good to see the fine state of Pennsylvania representing, although you could split it in half and the West people, they don't care about these, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) So... Uh, as my Steelers are about to kick off. Um, yeah, I, I chose Casey Griffin at uh, C underscore Griff 314. This is such a me tweet, by the way. Uh, we didn't play particularly well in one. It's true, uh, I think. That's what good teams do. We aren't a good team yet, but we are starting to show flashes. Better in possession, but still need work keeping hold of the ball late in games. No second half drop off this week. And that I definitely want to talk about when we get there. We've seen a lot of that this year, and I feel like Frank did a pretty decent job coming out of halftime. And I think there's some interesting reasons why, but I won't belabor the point. Let's go to you, James. Casey's uh, listened to enough of this show that he knows exactly what to say. Yeah, he's feeding me at this point, probably. Ryan's going to pick my tweet. What do I say? (laughs) <laughs> I went with Sean Kahn, regular contributor to the show at King Kong to King Khan 225. The game needed a special moment and Mopai provided it. Underrated performance from Begovic. Happy we could have another clean sheet. Overall, very solid in the back and the midfield when we possessed it. You could tell there was a plan. Massive first win and more to come. Love that. Especially the show for Begovic. We'll talk about it more. Um, But before we get into lineups and tactics, let's just give a shout out to the members of our Discord who correctly predicted the score only for this week. But shout out to Sludvigs, Mark M, Joe Dahill, and 5-2 predicting the 1-0 victory. Now, Ryan, take us in and walk us through West Ham selection. David Moyes returning to Goodison Park yet again and a largely unchanged West Ham United side. It's surprising. Once again, I say this every week. The team we face has like no injuries. One guy. Um yeah, look, they always, always typically play 4-2-3-1. They actually played in a back three, according to Scout last match. But a lot of people don't realize they had just played in the Conference League three days ago. So you had guys like Emerson and Lanzini. Um, Sufal played 92, but I think he was, no, he was on the right side. Dawson went 90. Cresswell went 92, but he went kind of as a left center half. So that's not quite as physically tiring, I guess. But um, 
Paqueta was in there. looked like he was kind of playing as a 10 uh, in front of the rice Suchek tandem, which we've seen that for a long time now. Um, Tilo Kerr, the newer signing and Zuma are in front of uh, Fabianski. So uh, we know Bowen's kind of their danger guy cutting in from the left on, on right wing. And, and we know they're very good at set pieces. So I think those are going to be critical elements of the match. Yeah. So moving on to Everton's lineup immediately, I know everyone was looking for a certain Dominic Calvert-Lewin in today's squad, but he did not make the bench Frank stated that he just wanted to give him a little bit more of a rest going into the international break. We also did not see Alon on the bench. We saw uh, earlier in the week, there were rumors about Rondon and Alon both having interest from the UAE and could be on their way out. So that is interesting. Although to note, uh, Rondon did make the bench. Pickford was, was out as expected. So Begovic comes in to start and that sees... No, none other than on loan, Connor Cody take the armband for Everton. That gave me a good chuckle when I saw that. It felt like such an Everton that moment. I think I saw on uh, social media, maybe that happened for Fulham or so last season with an on loan uh, player. Ducore came back on the bench, which was a good addition for us. And we saw him um, get some minutes today, which is a positive. Uh, last to note, um, we saw Ghana, Onana, and Iwobi midfield, which was exciting. And we'll definitely talk about that in detail and uh, actually, properly last to note, Damari Gray and Anthony Gordon start together on the wings with Mopai up front. We'll get into how we feel like that affected us. You know, we've talked about how McNeil has been really good on the right-hand side for us defensively, supporting Patterson, and we'll definitely discuss how that affected the match, or if it did at all. So getting a little bit into the tactics, West Ham initially seemed pretty focused on Antonio or Paqueta kind of marking Ghana out. They really wanted to take away that kind of pass from our center halves to him. And that, that threw us a couple curveballs early. We had a little trouble breaking out from the back. Um, but look, we, we were more comfortable again, pushing Patterson up higher, Mikalenko not quite as willing. And eventually when we broke the pressure, Ghana really sat back at times and was almost a quarterback for us and even saw him dropping between the center halves. They were spread very wide Look, West Ham do a very good job of clogging that middle and forcing you outside. Now, it's questionable how well we dealt with that. Um, West Ham did did some similar stuff. They pushed up Cresswell at times. He and Fornals kind of were supported by Rice. Antonio crept over there. Cresswell had 63 touches, Rice 61. I mean, Fornals had 61 in 61 minutes. Um, but but my thought is you know, Emerson didn't play out there. So are Cresswell and Fornals really all that dangerous out there? I, I just I kind of look at the side and some of the players they have and I don't know how well they're using them, but again, they played three days ago, but you got guys like Ben Rama, Cornette, Lanzini, they're all on the bench. Lanzini, I think, played quite a bit. Um, and then you had Sofal kind of looking for Bowen on the other side. So they do have some balance in attack, but as much as they attacked down the left side, and it was mostly left side, I think 44% of the time West Ham went down the left side, I, I just never felt they were, they were incredibly dangerous, at least from from open play. Um, James, you had mentioned too earlier that kind of how, how our midfield was affected by Ghana coming in there and being somewhat in form. And I think it created some problems for West Ham and, and they were forced out wide as well. Yeah. I mean, Ghana coming in, we all know what we hoped he would offer. And he seemed to offer that in spades today, just being able to support defensively, provide that backbone as a number six to allow guys like Alex Awobi, who we will mention a number of times this, ep this episode because he was so good today. He's pushed up in the average positioning nearly as high as uh, Mopai. You know, he was able to get forward and really impact the game in the final third. He had, I think, almost 30 passes in the final third with a really high completion percentage. And you could just see the, you know, freedom that it afforded him knowing that he had Ghana 
to cover ground, win the ball back if we lost it, and just be disruptive defensively. Didn't need to worry as much. To, uh, Alex Wobie didn't on in terms of his defensive contributions today, though he still obviously put in a shift as he tends to do. Yeah, it was interesting when you have a little bit more of the ball, which we had, you have some opportunities to get more players in more defined positions. Um, the average position actually had Patterson defending more and deeper. I don't know if that's necessarily indicative of, of how he really played, though. I thought he at times still was able to stretch their defense. He's just very mobile and very, very vertical. Um, and But st- still, that being said, I don't personally think that we were all that effective tacking from the wide spaces. I don't think we created kind of enough chances, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I don't know if James or Alex, you wanted to, you know, just, just touch on kind of the shot distribution a little bit. Well, we'll see later on when we talk about the XG, our shot selection today compared to the Derby, you know, when we last talked about a match where we got most of our shots inside the 18 yard box, both teams did this time. We took nearly 60% of our shots from outside of the box, 43% inside the 18 comparatively West Ham had 80% inside the 18 and an additional 7% inside the six that comes down to a lot of set pieces. On their part, that said, we were uh, definitely looking to pull the trigger anytime we got around the box, not necessarily in it. Um, And we were outshot by them, obviously, again, partially due to the set pieces. But I thought that was interesting. And you'll see the, the shot selection play out when we look at the XG as well. And so before we get in the timeline real quick, let's take a quick little break for uh, some words from our sponsors. All right, folks, let's get right into the timeline here. I mean, safe to say, guys, pretty uneventful first half for the most part. You know, the game kicks off and it's a windy, rainy day in Liverpool. And West Ham, I think, in some ways came out on the front foot, at least in the first 27 minutes, were able to get a lot of corner kicks. They had seven, uh, five just between the 20th minute and the 27th minute with a couple of shots on target. That said, I think we looked, I mean, it was clear the the message from the manager was let's try to possess the ball and also let's try to pressure when we lose the ball and win it back higher up the pitch. Yeah, I mean, the final third, though, really wasn't there. And, and that's always the argument. I think possession is is often at times just as valuable on defense and it doesn't allow us to be exposed. You can kind of get yourself a little better organized. Um but we really didn't create a whole lot. I just felt like we kind of let ourselves down a few times in the final third. Although I do think that's something that can improve over time. Some of that's chemistry and just playing with each other. Uh, the 20, 28 minute Cody's yellow card taking down Antonio, I thought was significant because now you can't, you know, you get one of those every time. That was a little bit harsh, but you got to call that. I mean, technically that's the way the rules are written. If they have, you know, an opportunity and you foul them, that's how it is. Uh, a couple other observations. I felt like so, kind of when when we had the ball, one of the reasons why we kept possession so much, you could tell they were still focused on the middle. They almost let Mikalenko have the ball when he had it out wide. So that kind of contributed to it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, any other thoughts kind of guys? Because you kind of get to halftime and you look and I mean, they, we dispossessed them nine times. We had only three, um, you know, past success is 82. We had a little bit more of the possession, I think, at 55 percent. And and but they maybe bit was a little bit more dangerous due to all those corners. I mean, that was kind of my take. I don't know if you guys saw it differently. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a good first half performance overall. It felt nice to possess the ball, feel like we were in control of a match. I I thought we saw a lot of good bright movements, a lot of good uh, link up play between uh, players. You know, Mopai was trying to get involved as much as he could. Definitely of note at that point in time, we didn't really see any of Gordon at all. And and that's not what you want from your uh, brand new number 10. Otherwise, you know, something to build off of with Everton looking for their first one of the season going into the break. 
It just half. lacked precision a little bit in passing yeah. and speed, I think. I also thought it was a little little bit ridiculous, though I agree with you, Ryan. The Cody foul, you know, it's a tactical foul, probably a yellow. A little ridiculous that the first half was seven to three fouls in favor of West Ham, and yet they didn't see a single card until nearly the end of the match. I mean, that left me scratching my head a little bit. But we'll uh we'll Try not to lay into Michael Oliver too, too much today because I feel like we've given refs a lot of grief already this season. And I don't think he was the, the biggest problem necessarily today. Well, that was still bad. Let me be clear. That was that was right after uh, Paqueta had 2,060 seconds. That was the frustrating part, I think, right? Yeah. I, I, it's just like they go down, they get the foul. We go down, he kind of stares at us. I mean, I... I, I just don't get it. You know, I, I, the one thing that mystifies me every year without going into a longer tirade is how certain individuals that clearly dive all the time and still always get the benefit of the doubt. I'll never get that. I'll never get that. Um, look, we came out in the first, the second half too. I mean, I was optimistic. I, I was happy to see a midfield that was more functioning and, and see the change in the way we played. But I, I thought for the first time all year, I could really look and say that we came out with a pretty distinct plan. I mean, you saw from the get-go, you saw Gordon kind of dropping in in the left half space. You saw Mikalinko kind of staying up higher and more in support, and you saw numbers thrown over there. And I, I thought, I mean, even from the first minute, we had a you know kind of a fired cross across the line that all we almost got on the end of. I, I thought that made an immediate point of emphasis, and and we looked dangerous. Um, Got a good quote here from Michael at Michael EFC. Miko not good enough on the ball to be out wide outlet. Gray better there. And also Wobi needs to be hired to utilize his ability. And regardless of whether you agree with that or not, I, I think that was a little bit reflective of that. Now that turns us into maybe a few too many numbers in the back. I mean, maybe you want to see someone get up there a little bit higher when you have control like that. But it's not like West Ham aren't dangerous. And, and if Jared Bowen is their most dangerous guy off the break, I'm okay with that, you know, and I hope you can get one in and and it happened. Right, because we know our center backs are not, you know, that fast on the break they covering are. in behind space. So so it does make sense. Not that Mikalinko is insanely quick either, right? And then in the 53rd minute is when um, we see Neil Mope open his account for Everton at Goodison Park. It was obviously a big difference. After the half, we had a clear plan to attack on the left, as you just mentioned. And it seems like, Ghana had a huge impact in this play. Yeah, I, I just think when you can control the ball, suddenly you can design an attack, you know, and I felt like there was intent and, and instruction and a clear focus to to do certain things. Um, and and I, that, that was kind of what the DU football show guys tweeted at DU football show. Uh, it, it's great to have the piece we have so desperately missed in Adrissa Ghana guy. Hearing Ghana guy with another interception over and over again was music to all Evertonians ears. So you can be a little more aggressive and fluid up there, knowing that you've got that guy to kind of support you. And look, I'd love to give credit to Alex Awobi for a fantastic pass. Um, but look, and we were hesitating to throw the ball down the middle at West Ham because you don't want to do that because that's the whole point of how they set up with Rice and Suchek, the big bodies that you can't bully. And, and, but there was a little bit of a window here, but I mean, this, this is the moped, right? I mean, you got to give him full credit for this sucker. <laughs> I've come, I've totally come around on the moped nickname, as I was saying to the guys off air. It's just hilarious. We had a few people tweet it to us after he scored. You're right, Ryan. Though the, you know, Alex Wobie does really well to find Mopai in a really tight space, but Mopai does most of the work with a really good first touch. The way he's able to turn his body and slot it near post, so beautiful um, and a great finish. And, and even though that's a, you know, a, talk about how useless assist can be. I think Alex Iwobi deserved the assist for that point because he was just 
doing that so frequently, threading passes through, finding guys. So even if it's not that particular play, it was a culmination of a number of good passes that he had up to that point. And uh, take one, take one in the assist column and Everton lead, which is uh, obviously huge going into the later stages of the match. It was just nice to see a forward be able to create a moment for themselves, right? Like that uh, passing aside, you know, build up to the goal itself. It was all about the touch and the finish, which was fantastic. It's something that we really have been missing that extra spark up front. So that that is obviously something that we look forward to uh, moving forward. It's something that Rondon isn't going to do really either to kind of come back and play between the lines. And I think that's that's why it's not that Solomon Rondon is some terrible player, like some people may say, but he's just not not quite the fit that someone like um, like Neil is. And uh, I'll tell you what, that first touch. I mean, yes, great pass, Alex, but that was still a bit of a heavy pass. The fact that he took it down in that one motion and buried it the way he did was, I mean, a striker's goal. You know, it was really impressive. Um, and, and after that, I mean. West Ham started coming on a little bit. I thought we got a little bit passive, almost hesitant to try and make those passes that we were making before to retain the ball. Um, I think in the 62nd minute, West Ham started making subs. I I was concerned because you look at their bench and you think, I mean, they got some guys that can play. And in the 62nd minute, you had Ben Rama come in and Cornette for Fornals and Paqueta. Paqueta just looked a little off it. Maybe he's still getting up to speed. Um, although I will say this, I mean, does this West Ham team really have a lot of pace? I mean, you think, you would think, if you're going to play in front of Rice and Suchek, wouldn't you want someone that's a little bit more, I don't know. I mean, Paqueta is a very good player, but I just don't know how well that midfield's going to go. But I was certainly concerned about the insertion of those guys and kind of wondering, you know, when our guys were going to come on. I felt like that ratcheted up the tempo a little bit. We 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 struggled a little bit in the back passing and distributing the ball as a result. And sure enough, in the 74th minute, there was a big opportunity on their end, which I, I think was a Tark giveaway. Is that what happened here? Yeah, I think so. Tark kind of gives it away. And then Ben Rama has a shot from distance that completely freezes Begovic. Terrifying moment. He's nowhere. He, you know, he doesn't have a prayer, even if he's able to dive for it. And it hits the post. It goes behind him and manages to, to go out, which was kind of heart stopping. And I agree with you, Ryan, you know, West Ham, we see these teams making subs and like bringing Cornet off the bench. Look, that guy running at a tired, more tired defense is a scary thought. He's a quality player. Um, that was worrying. And then West Ham get that chance and you're like, okay, we kind of escaped by the skin of our teeth here. Let's change this up. Let's make some moves. Let's adjust how we're approaching the second half because we really need to cling on to this lead, which brings us eventually after West Ham then later brought on Skamaka uh, for Mikel Antonio to our first subs of the game, which was, of course, to, to remove Anthony Gordon in favor of Dwight McNeil in the 75th. And before we get to that, just want to mention the announcer's idea that that was Ghana's issue in terms of receiving that pass in traffic is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, I, I it's hard for me to watch that and have someone who's getting paid to do that seriously make that commentary. Like, really? I mean, Tark threw him a bouncing hard pass in traffic, which is he's supposed to receive on a dead sprint running away from him. And come on. I mean, that's just... He was dead. It was a death pass. He was done. And that's what happened. This is a well-struck ball, too. I mean, I, I it really is. Ben Rahm is a good player. Um, but yeah, I, I, the subs were. So would you argue that the subs were a little bit too late? Because the first subs, Gordon for McNeil. And I think we agree Anthony was not on it today. I mean, I appreciate his defensive contributions, but he had only 27 touches at that point. Really wasn't creating a whole lot. Um, was that too late? Or I, I, I guess we could talk yeah. him collectively because DeCorey comes in for Gray in the 81st. Um, Awobi moves out wider. And then later on, comes in for, for Mope, which 
is totally fine. But like collectively, we'll get to Dave's quote in a second, maybe a little late. I, I mean, I would like to see him make him a little earlier, I think, too. Alex, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I wasn't necessarily bothered by the second two in terms of timing, right? Like Ducore coming off the bench, he's been hurt. Um, I thought Mope had a good game. So Rondon did what he was supposed to do. I thought taking Gordon off was a good move and he definitely could have come off, you know, a solid 15 minutes beforehand even, right? Because, you know, we'll talk about his performance a little bit in depth in a minute, but really all we saw was, um, you know, a solid defensive contribution, which we know is McNeil's strength already too. Uh, So otherwise, I mean, you know, I I thought McNeil was pretty solid when he came on, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely just think Gordon could have come off earlier would be my biggest takeaway. Agree with that, Alex. And, And actually, I think what's interesting to note about the decore in for gray is I think most people watching, at least I felt this way that I thought it was almost certain that Onana was going to be the one coming off for decore because he had gone down pointing to his quad uh, hip area and didn't seem like he would, he would likely carry on, but he goes to the sideline and decore comes in for gray. And then Onana trots back on like nothing had even happened. And we were talking in the discord. It's like, and I said it on the last episode, I'm just so scared every time he goes down, he's got those long gangly legs. It just feels like he's he's really getting lucky every time he escapes a match without injury. But he was able to carry on for the full 90, which was really impressive. And I think to Corey for Gray, you know, you make a more defensive sub allows us a better opportunity to, to see out the game, control the final stages and just see the result out a little bit. I, the only thing I would add to that was West Ham started pushing up their back line a little bit and there were opportunities to play in behind it. And I, I know that Damari's tired, I'm sure. And, and he's not necessarily Mr. Defensive contribution, but he is someone that's quick enough that can run behind. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you solve that really. I mean, Dwight McNeil makes some good runs, I guess, or at least Frank thinks he does. It would be nice to still have one more vertical attacking option to kind of jump in there. And look, look, normally if you had Dominic Calvert-Lewin out there the whole match, you could put Neil Belpe into, into that kind of position to have him run behind there. It's just be nice to finally have have a healthy team. I agree with that, Ryan. But but I think the subs, the nature of the subs, even though he did, of course, bring on Rondon later, brings on to I think the subs indicate more that he was content to see the match out rather than to go for the jugular. And you saw some of the discontent from the fans at Goodison really wanting us to go for it, even as the game went into stoppage time. But we were content to just take it to the corner, see, you know, run clock, waste time just get the, the game over the line and get the three points. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give I would one. like to see us go for it, too. Well, to be clear. look, I, we did for a little bit, you know, and it gets to a point where you're kind of like, all right, let's settle it down. I mean, it's a choice in the middle of gameplay. I think it's a choice, really. You know, the, the counter may have been there a couple times. If it's not there, pull it back. Don't force it. And there were times where I think we probably did force it. There were times where maybe we could have played it. I don't know. I'll take it either way, you know, but yes, I have a feeling that a couple times, I mean, Decore's touches were terrible when he came on. You could tell he was out of it. The one time he tried to play it all the way across the field to, to a Wobie where Alex was wide open. I get it. And if he gets him the ball there, we're probably in business, but maybe not the right play. Could have just taken it. I think Patterson at one point had McNeely could have played through. He totally blew that pass. He was probably tired. I don't know. So um, I, I don't know how much of that was Frank or not. Um couple comments here uh, from listeners, which I liked. Wanderer Dave at Halifax Dave, representing the Great White North. Um, I was calling for Onana Gordon out at 50 minutes. <laughs> Love it. He went with all, with the all-guile team. McNeil, Iwobes, Rondon, Ghana for the last 10. Someone shot Sally Rondon out of a cannon. A slow cannon, but still a cannon. Yeah, he had some jump when he came on. I was a little concerned Onana was tired. I don't think he was really much hurt when he went down. I just think he kind of had a feeling that we needed to 
stop and, and sit down and, and yeah, him going 90 was curious. I was actually going to get really mad because I thought what happened was that he was going to then sub in Tom Davies for Anana afterwards and blow our window of sub opportunities by not doing it at the same time when he brought into Corey, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there were times where Anana looked a little lost and that's why bless their hearts at Cooper Murphy, 13 feel like Onana is a bit lost. They bypass him or he's standing next to another player in possession. Um, maybe uh, we'll comment on him a little bit later. I, I thought his performance maybe a little uneven, but I thought it was just fine. Um, I will say this though, James, to your point in terms of keeping the ball, one of my, maybe my favorite moments in the match was from about the 80th to the 87th minute. We did this phenomenal job of keeping the ball, right? Wobie was dancing around with it like a court jester and trying to make people and kicking it off people for throw-ins, which you love to see because Alex will always unbelievable at that. I mean, he really is because he's got the strength combination too. So he doesn't get pushed off the ball. But then of course, in the 87th minute, for some reason we had 67% during that run. Awobi decided to step in and try and crack one from like 25. And I've, and I've seen him score a couple worldlies from Nigeria, but I mean, do we really want out? I'd say that was maybe not the best decision. Yeah, definitely uh, slightly inadvisable. But after the game he had, you gotta you can't fault the guy for getting a little bit ambitious at that point. And we had uh, at the very end, good comment from Rob Mitch 802 at Rob Mitch 802. Patterson with the save of the match right at the end, got a toe on that would be tap in for Cornet. Big defensive play for Patterson and really saved our skins because that would have been truly Everton that to just dominate and really show composure seeing in game management to see out the result only to then concede at the very last second. Um, and then the, I guess the last noteworthy thing would just be 94th minute West Ham at long last get their first yellow card for the uh, cheap shot on Ghana. That was uh well-deserved, very belated, but uh so it goes we end up seeing out to the final whistle and getting getting the win i love the reaction though from tar i'm normally not someone that would say something like this but um when skamaka like nailed ghana for no reason to his absolute garbage play tar got in his face and part of that's time wasting you know being savvy but it's just nice to see guys step up and just kind of you know try and intimidate the kid a little bit and yeah i mean it cost them probably a full minute on the foul it was just stupid like i, I don't I don't understand what he's thinking, but he's a young player. I guess that's that's it. Well, how do we feel about Michael Oliver in general today? I mean, I thought I, he was. I thought he was. You know, he was pretty inconsistent. It wasn't like the worst in the world. I wasn't like I wasn't walking away feeling like you know we were just so hard done by. But maybe, hey, maybe that's what winning does. Maybe that's what taking it into your own hands does for you. Yeah, the discipline was lacking for West Ham and seemingly. A little heavy for us, but there were no major, you know, calls that dramatically affected the game. I don't think, you know, Cody's first half yellow could have been a real game changer, but he remained pretty composed after that and conducted himself well and never really came in any danger of getting a second yellow. Our captain was always fine there. <laughs> Corner to West Ham. Corner to West Ham. Corner to West Ham. I mean, I'm sorry. There were several times I looked at that. I'm like, there's no way that was a corner. But, you know, I, I think, look. At the end of the day, XG philosophy has it at Everton 0.43 and West Ham at 1.43. That's pretty heavy-handed, much greater opportunities for West Ham. Part of that's just volume. I mean, I can't point to any chance that West Ham had where they probably maybe should have scored. Um, Begovic made a couple couple saves. Uh, Bowen tried to play it through a couple people a, a few times. 7 to 14 in shots. I mean, 5 to 8 in shots from open play, 2 to 6 from set pieces. 
did we deserve to win? The age-old question. Uh, I think the quality of Mo- that one move from Mopai was really the only thing that that separated us. At, you know, that's some really deep analysis right there. The goal is what separated the two teams today. Uh, pretty reductive, but I, I I really don't think you know people will talk about it. It's it's in my bad section, but we're still giving up a lot of good chances and getting lucky. And it was enough today to get our first win of the season. West Ham have been pretty putrid so far. They haven't been creating a lot of good chances. We made them. And though though they didn't have, a, again, Ryan, you said it's, it's a lot of volume-based stuff. They had a lot of shots, but they didn't have a ton of super dangerous shots. Those still add up over time. And you've got to, we've got to get better at preventing those shots, especially inside the box. You know, Give them the opportunities from 25, 30 yards if you have to. But you've got to prevent those shots in closer to the goal that are higher percentage. And I still don't think we're doing a great job of it. You know, the center half pairing will also get to, but as a flat out, did we deserve to win? Yes or no. I'm going to go. Yes. Because I think across the, the team, there were some pretty solid performances, but we also got very lucky at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I, I echo the same sentiments and I would just say that I think we deserve to win more than West Ham did. And I, and I think that's enough to say yes. Um, from me, I would have said zero, zero is better. <laughs> <laughs> a more reflective option. I, look, you're right. West Ham don't score a lot. I mean, I think they're like the 18th highest ex- expected goals um, number out there in the Premier League, at least going into the weekend. Although going into the weekend, we were the second worst expected goals against. So it's not like we have some banner of a defense, although we're not conceding as many goals. But this time I can't point to Pickford saving our tails. Um, although Bego was solid, I can point to a little help from the post, I think, although that would have been a tremendous goal. And, you know, I, I guess if you look at it from open play, were they more dangerous than us? I, I'm not so sure. I, I feel like we had a lot of things that happened that didn't result in a shot that were very, very dangerous and close to being goals. But look, I, I think to me, the keys to the match here really are set piece defense. And we knew that coming in, how important that was 14 to five in corners. And we still did okay. I mean, there were a couple of nervous moments, but we looked well-structured. We fought in there. We were physical. Um, The passing, I wouldn't say it was precise, and that's probably why we failed in the final third. But look, 83% today. We haven't been over 80% all season in the Premier League, at least if FB ref is accurate. And possession. Have we won the possession battle all year? Who scored ahead of us at 53.4%? There's many different ways to calculate possession. Um, But FB ref has us, I mean, the highest we got was maybe 48. We haven't won it all year. So, um to me, I, I think those are notable things. I mean, last year, we probably could count on one hand the amount of times in the league that we had possession, right? I mean, it, it can't be more than five. So to say that that's a step up, you know, especially with the pack at, pass accuracy too, I, I wouldn't even say we, we should frame it in the last seven matches played. We should take it in the context of the last year and a half. Well, I see how much of a positive it is. Well, I think what FB ref last year had us in terms of big five teams, we were like the lowest or one of the very lowest in, in possession of all leagues. I mean, and, and part of that's West Ham. I mean, they sit back a little bit. That's kind of Moises style. And I question a little bit, maybe some of the personnel that they've brought in. It's not a very pacey team. And so if you're down, they don't really necessarily have the guys to get on you. And and again, they played three days. So I'm sure that probably worked into our favor. I, I didn't see a lot of urgency from West Ham to really kind of win the ball back. And I think had we been a little more composed, we probably could have seen it out. Um, but look, let's get into some individual uh, performances, I think. Um and look, I'll just kick it off because for me, a lot of that control, the better control we had, it wasn't perfect, um, was the midfield. 
And so I totally cheated, by the way, because we picked kind of our good performances. He did. Big, big Ryan move here, taking uh, an entire position for his good. <laughs> but we'll allow it. I like coloring outside the lines. What can I say? But <laughs> you're a real rebel. I, I am. I am. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I picked the midfield as a whole uh, because I think the, the way they function together is, is the most important thing. And I actually really like the interplay with them, not as much even with the ball, although they helped in possession very much without the ball. I felt they covered for each other very well. Uh, Ghana, I think, well, let's start with the Wobi. Look, two dribbles, two key passes, two shots, got the assist. 74 touches, most on the team, three clearances, a block and a tackle. I don't know what you guys thought, but I, I thought he was very balanced. He wasn't really as much of a 10 as maybe you'd expect. I mean, he comes back and fills in. There are times where he's the deepest midfielder, but he probably was the most advanced today by a bit. Do we agree? Yeah, most definitely. It was great to see him able to get forward and, and link those passes together. I mean, he's a danger guy. I want to see us get him the ball most. And then you look at Ghana's impact. And, and yes, he was more often than not sitting back. But he was free to go up and attack every now and then. And I, I thought the chemistry was good. Onana did a very good job filling in for him at times. And so did Alex. One tackle for Ghana, uh, three interceptions. He's a little different player than we remember him. He's not so aggressive running out for tackles. He'll sit back and be shows a little more positional discipline. I tried to explain that to people. They didn't believe me, but it's true. Um, two clearances, one block, 89.8% pass rate, second to the moped. Uh, 73 touches, second, two for two in long balls. Two aerials, one, zero dispossessions, zero bad touches. I mean, that's what we need from the backbone of a midfield, is it not? It is. That was the difference, right? That that shows you. And and maybe these are the numbers that show why we tried to, you know, see out the game as opposed to go kill it, right? We talked about how we weren't good going forward. We we see now how we had good chemistry in the midfield. Um, you know, our, our wingers, I mean, excuse me, our uh, fullbacks offered good outlets too to play off of. It was good. It was nice, positive to see. I think also it Onana playing as more of the center mid rather than the defensive mid, the six, even though he played that um, a couple matches ago. It's nice because he can get up. He won six aerials, the most on our team by a mile. It's nice. He can get up there and do that if we need that release without fear of going back. And look, he had only one bad, bad touch. He only 49 touches because I think he was not quite as involved, but he was disruptive in defense. You know, his passing was slightly off at times. I think Alex, you'd mentioned off air. Well, there's a big difference in terms of making an accurate pass and being precise with the pass, right? Yeah, I mean, we we just saw that he, you know, as we talked about with him coming in, he's still a bit raw with his passing. It wasn't that it was bad. It was just that, you know, time and, you know, a couple times during the match, he was maybe a yard off. And, and that changes how you can approach the play at that moment in time. That's all. It does. It makes a big difference. But his decision making is very good. We saw that. Um, yeah, the length is disruptive. I mean, three tackles, one interception, two clearances. And he was out there helping a lot with Patterson. I thought that made a big difference. When he goes down into a challenge with his long legs, there's, you can't get by him. He just finds the ball, laser precise focus, and wins it back. And uh, it's always obviously scary if you're an offensive player trying to attack and all of a sudden you have this huge guy with like his, it feels like his legs alone are six feet tall coming at you uh, full speed. Well, it's, it. it's interesting. Yeah. He's so tall that almost I have to like clench a little bit when I see him go down because it almost feels like he's too far away or too early. And yet he does, he does reach it. It's just funny how it looks. Yeah, it's incredible. He did it a lot at the U21s. He didn't do it much with Lil because he was in a two. So it's kind of, you know, you don't quite have as much positional freedom and you saw it today. And, and I, what I was most encouraged about was his positional awareness, his ability to react to what his players were doing around him, because I think that's a development area for him. Um, 
but he's only going to get better. You know, uh, I, there was a great tweet from Nigeria football at NG footy. It's a Wobi Ghana and Onana in Everton midfield against West Ham today. And it's like a TikTok video of all these lions, like breaking up a traffic jam. It's uh, I thought it was pretty funny, but anyway, I believe they call that a pride of lions. If I'm not mistaken, that's my uh, do, do zoology that, expertise. They do? they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, they do in their whatever guttural little like meows or roars or whatever oh, are you saying the lions say that or saying the, the lions call it yeah the lions say I've it's heard a pride. i've heard them myself yeah firsthand a lot of lions down the 757 <laughs> a lot of lions up in maine too i knew it no yeah, at least you have some moose yeah we've got some moose we we're talking about moose off air totally unrelated and we won't uh digress any further we'll go to my good and that is none other than neil mopai also known on this show as the Moped, gets his first goal in blue, had the highest pass completion of any Everton player besides Rondon, who had like, you know, less than 10 total passes. 93% pass completion, which I think we mentioned a little earlier, got the goal, as we said, with the great individual finish, one tackle, and most importantly, wasn't dispossessed. And I think some of the his his just running ability was really important when we decided to press higher, especially in the earlier stages of the game and creating some turnovers. Um, just a really good, important signing for us and like something we've so desperately missed. Love him and the the kick of the corner flag after his goal. You just really see what it meant to him and, and important moment for us, which I think begs the question, which we have here. We've talked about Ghana. We've talked about Mopai kind of late arriving signings in the window. Thelwell getting the business over the line, but where do we think Everton sit if we were able to bring these guys in maybe one or two matches into the season or outright during the summer? Because it's clear what a difference having Mopai instead of Gray shoehorned in there or Rondon has made on our, our ability up front, even though we're still not scoring at a great clip. Huge impact in a positive direction. I mean, I'm I'm purely speculating, but I don't think it's crazy to suggest that you know we could have three, four, or five more points here if they were introduced earlier on in the season. You know, we we've we're, we keep banging the drum how much they've changed the team, um, even in, in their last two appearances. I mean, Mopai was was impressive to me just even how he started with the Merseyside Derby. So I, I thought that that was a really good indication. Especially he mentioned in his post match interview today that he didn't really even play much for the last month. That was the Derby was the first time he really got involved. So to see his impact when he's not even fully on form, fit or firing is is really promising and exciting. Yeah, he would have been more fit for that one probably. Right. I mean, you look, I mean, going into this match, we had the worst uh, non-penalty goals scored versus expected goal differential in the league at 4.2. I mean, I know people will say, well, yeah, but he's not a good finisher because two years ago, his XG numbers were bad compared to his goal scored. Do you look like a bad finisher today? He did not. He looked like a pretty good one to me. Yeah. I mean, you don't put up the numbers he did, you know, so far and even in the championship, which by the way, Go look at his numbers sometime in the championship. They're ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, we'd be a lot better for sure. It would just be a different side. And and it's nice, though. We built some momentum going into the break, and hopefully we have a little stronger identity. Alex, I thought your good was curious. Um, so I want to hear a little bit more about what you were thinking. Yeah, so so to be clear, I thought both fullbacks were quite good today. Um, but I wanted to call out Mikalinko. He's a guy that, you know, we haven't talked much about on the show um, you know, we've mentioned in passing, he's been good. He's really grown into his role at Everton, but I thought he had a really good match today. Um, he was heavily involved as mentioned by the preferred attacking side on the left. He had 73 touches, which was tied with Ghana one less than Wobi, who was the highest on the pitch, uh, for Everton. 
He had a nice key pass later in the match, which was good. One for five in crosses, but I don't think that was really a reflection of poor quality going forward as much as it was just lack of size, um, you know, maybe in the box. Uh, I thought he retained the ball really well with 86% pass accuracy. No bad bad touches or dispossessions, which is important. As you said, you know, it looked like West Ham kind of allowed him to have the ball when it was passed back. Um, But he always takes care of it, seemingly. Uh, And I thought he was fantastic on defense. Five tackles, two interceptions, two clearances. Um, Altogether, a good performance uh, by Mikalinko and and hopefully more to come from him. Yeah, I think he grew into the game. As the game wore on, I think he got a little bit better. I think he probably started off a little bit rough. Um, He got bullied on that one opportunity for West Ham, got kind of pushed off the ball, which led to them getting a, a really dangerous cross into the box. Um, which actually that might've been the one that Cody cleared. I can't remember exactly, but it was early on. And again, he's not the fastest and you saw West Ham try to exploit that, but I thought he, he recovered generally pretty well um, and didn't make any, you know, massive errors. And you saw the five tackles. I think that's close to the lead on the team. So uh, defensive contributions can't be dismissed. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart player too, right? Like he's not, he's not the quickest. He's not the most technically sound, you know, he doesn't have a killer final ball or cross into the box, but he's a smart player. He positions himself. Well, um, he gives it his all. And, and like you said, I mean, other than that one chance, I thought that, uh, overall defensively, he was good. He is a smart player. Um, he is limited athletically. I mean, he's everything that we said he was going to be when he got here and you can use him intelligently and still be effective. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it just, well, put it this way. Let's go to my bad because it's somewhat related. So, I mean, just in the final third, I, I, Gray was dangerous at times. You look at that two for 11 and crosses number, and that's not good. And he gave the ball away a lot, but he was trying to create with it. It was often isolated in good positions to give the ball away. Like, I'm fine with doing that. When you're out on the wing, you're in a 1v1, you try and beat someone, that's fine. My issue is that if you're going to hold the ball like that, you've got to get more contributions from your fullbacks and attack. So I'm not sure what to say about that. That being said, you also got to play to your strengths too. So if Mikalenko's not going to be the guy to go dashing up there, that's okay. And he actually served a decent cross in. I mean, he's not totally incompetent getting forward, but I think adjusting your game plan to accept the fact that he might be better sitting back and creating more space for others up that way is probably the better way to go. I think I'd be a little more critical of the fact that Patterson was ineffective when he got forward in the final third i kept asking just saying serve it or bring it or you know i just uh, he can serve a ball very well and can get forward you didn't always see it so that's just my critique i I, gordon was poor um but i think it was still more of a collective responsibility i thought we talked about the lack of precision and passing that's part of it but anyway i andy makes the comment here andy cia at schmub with two b's gray played well ish yeah that's good um, but he seems polar opposite of a Wobie. Every time Gray gets the ball, momentum seems to stop. A Wobie much more progressive. Great individual play by Mopai. Uh, happy to see Adrissa back. He makes a huge difference in possession. I think that's right about Damari Gray. You know, he tends to slow things down. My critique when we signed him a couple years ago, if you guys recall, seeing him at Bayern, he grabs the ball, he stops. He never takes a, it's never one touch. But if you've got some possession and some movement around him, it can play okay. We just didn't maybe have quite enough of it, I think. And that's why we didn't see it. But that's my critique. Just final third, we weren't very clinical. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you saw a number of moments. It seems like whenever Gray receives the ball, he it's like he wants to lure the defense to sleep because he always seems to be flat-footed. He'll receive it, and then he'll just kind of spring to life and like accelerate. Um, but I'd rather just see him go from the off and just go attack with pace. Um, my bad today was our XGA. We talked about it. 
uh, 1.43 for West Ham. So though, as we mentioned, it's it's slightly volume based. We are still giving up good chances and they hit the post. We got super lucky just a few matches ago with like three posts in a game, continuing to ride the luck. You know, Cody's clearance off the line that almost was like smashed in the back of the net for an own goal. XG Philosophy's number of 1.43 for, for West Ham would be their second highest XG this season. And they're not a very good team at creating so far. So the question is, you know, people have said, well, our, our defense has been shored up. Well, we're not conceding goals, but we're giving still giving up as many, if not more, good chances and volume-based chances. So eventually, the, either the other shoe has to drop and we're just going to start conceding a bunch or we're going to have to have better personnel in there because though, you know, Cody and Tark, leadership-wise, I think they offer a lot. We talked a lot about that already. The The, the defensive unit as a whole is is getting lucky. And getting bailed out in some cases by Jordan Pickford and today Asmir Begovic a little bit. So I, I I say we enjoy while we're getting lucky for once. I that's totally fair, Alex. You're right. That that's some much needed perspective, and I appreciate the counterpoint there. No, that's just right. enjoy the. It's been life. a long time, but, but it's right, and I see it too, James. And and I I don't think anyone in the upper echelons of Everton's football operation is sitting there and saying cool we've got our partnership for the next three years you know I, I i don't think anyone's thinking that um but yeah i mean there was i mean at the end you saw that play saw the ball watching saw him get behind us and with no ability to have the pace to recover and patterson bailed us out but that's the type of thing that that can happen and when we need to get more open i am scared uh but you know we do have some guys that are hurt that are different types of players and considering what the outlay was business wasn't too bad yeah and lastly i i was reluctant to kind of give a bad today because it was a nice occasion first win of the season unbeaten and i think six if you include the cup um but i gotta go with anthony gordon and, and i say his name um I, I swear we don't mean to pick on him on the show but i say his name because i think his performance or, or say it relative to everyone else's performance on the pitch for everton um he wasn't involved much at all right 27 touches which was the least of all outfield players except for our substitutes um, he had 84% pass accuracy, which was good. One dispossession, two bad touches, not much in the stats to show you, you know, anything. It wasn't that he did a poor job with the ball. I don't think he had four tackles. So he did show a good work rate, um, and defensive ability, which we know that he has, and he does pretty consistently outlay that, uh, outlay that as well. But it comes down to the fact that we need more from him going forward. We needed him to be more involved in the buildup play itself. Uh, Everton was not the same Everton because of that. And I think that directly related to how, you know, involved Gray was going forward. Do we still have an issue with Gordon and Gray playing together? I'm stumped. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to say based on today's evidence because Gordon was hardly involved and we really, really went with Gray quite a bit. Um, and McNeil in his substitute appearance did okay, but wasn't setting the world alight. I think if in a, in a more possession-based style, if that's what we're going to go with, then I don't think either of those guys are going to be really a recipe for success. I'd much rather have probably McNeil in for really either of them because he's so much better at retaining the ball. But Gray so far this season, I think, has shown wild inconsistency in the same with Anthony Gordon. So I, I, I think you're just taking a risk playing them both because you don't know what player you're getting on any given day. But also, we're not exactly the deepest at the the wing positions. Um, and if we're going to continue to play Alex Awobi in midfield, I think you're in, in a lot of situations, you're going to be forced to play both of them. I like McNeil better from a shape standpoint, I just think, because he tucks in the half space and I think gives us a little bit of a threat with his left foot. I think we could have used that a little bit more. 
Gordon's vertical aspect of it is really important though, too. So I don't know. I mean, you got to ride him right now. You know, there's nothing you could do about it necessarily. Um, hope you get the hot hand and kind of move over and move forward with it. Um, you know, I want to hit this tweet real quick because I don't want to necessarily beat this conversation about Cody and Tark into the ground. I mean, they combined for 13 clearances, four interceptions. Their pass accuracy was high at 83%, 21 long passes. But Cody's normally a little better with the long ball. He maybe wasn't as good today. But um, the tweet is from Kev Common Believer in Cattle Schumacher Cowley at Kevig715. That is a mouthful. Relief, jubilation, gratitude to finally get one in the win column. Really impressed with the positioning of Tarkin Cody making critical interceptions and tackles to stop West Ham attacks. Begovich did better than I thought he would. Now, is this a bit of the luck, though? That's the question. Because I got to give him credit. Their positioning was good. You saw several times they stepped in front of people to keep the ball so that we could keep it, you know. Um, I'm still a little disturbed sometimes on set pieces and crosses that come in when one of the guys step back behind the line. It drives me crazy. Um I think we're probably riding the luck here a little bit, but look, I mean, we got no choice, like we said. So I, I don't know if we want any last thoughts on that before we get to our th- summary tweets. Only that, you know, leadership and organization will get you to a certain point, but it can only get you so far. And ultimately you need more talented guys in there long-term. But as a stopgap for the time being, I- I'm happy with both of them today for the most part. I, I do like the backbone that they provide just from like an emotional, you know, team building standpoint, even if their ability, (laughs) Ryan just uh, typed the S word in the chat, the spirit Uh they bring to this. Well, I can't use, I can't say the word. So the spirit they bring to the team, you know, the, the, it's like the night clash, the Tarkowski, like the night to say knee can't say the word it. Yeah. Just like that. Just exactly like that. I get to rewatch that movie by the way, Mm -hmm. but you know, against better teams, they're going to pick us apart, especially in open space and, and get us on the break. And if we find ourselves in some dangerous positions, you know, Cody getting that first half yellow card, better teams might have picked on that a little bit more and exploited it. So it's a concern. I'm not, you know, <laughs> ringing the alarm bell just yet for the time being. We're still getting guys, you know, center still very thin at center half depth wise with the injuries we have. So um, we'll just have to monitor the situation. Uh, suitable performance and, and adequate today, I would say. But I guess final thoughts, gentlemen, summary of the match. We've got a couple of tweets here and then any other thoughts from the panel? Well, I'll hit the, hit these first two because I kind of lumped them together in here. It's freeze FPL at freeze FPL. The stench of a loss would have lingered for two weeks. Huge win for the boys. Ghana, Onana, and Awobi midfield was amazing. C-O-Y-B. And Gary Lineker, of all people, at Gary Lineker. He really was up all night thinking of that one. Uh, three points for Everton. <laughs> The most important victory the world will ever see. Appreciate the sarcasm, but let's be honest. I mean, we we needed a win here, and this is a huge sigh of relief. I still think the goal is just to get safe this year and stabilize the club, and and this was a, a nice step forward for that, was it not? It was a huge step forward. I think it allows the club... Um, the players to move forward with a little bit less pressure, searching for that first win of the season, um, less anxiety seeping through over the international break, especially for the guys that are not going away and won't have that nice distraction. Um, a really positive also because we, we're going to have more players coming back. Like we said, Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't make the squad like we thought. It gives him more time. It was a positive. We didn't say we didn't see our uh, manager rushing him back because he was desperate for, for points like our uh, last time out, right? And Ducore as well. We saw he was rusty, but he's coming back. He's going to be fit. Um, I think we have all to look forward to after the international break, and it couldn't have finished even better. And 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 all troubles aside, all luck, you know, lack of goals, et cetera, a win and a clean sheet is, you know, something that you really 
you're not going to better that on most days. So I think it was a really positive performance and result. Yeah, it's it's just a continuation. You know, we're just continuing to improve. You go out on a high note before the international break, as Alex said, continue to get guys back, continue to reinforce the midfield, the defense, just with with depth, strength and depth. We talked about the subs continue continuing to come too late. Well, when Frank actually has legitimate options off the bench, we could see that picture change. You know, there's questions around him as a tactician about his subs, but I do think if he feels more confident in the options he has, he'll be more willing to pull trigger and and change guys out and use those substitute windows. Like we've we've barely used uh, our. I don't think we've you know we haven't made more than three subs in a, in a match really. So it's a high note. It's a trend line. The trend line continues upwards for Everton, and that enough is enough for me for the time being. I, I still feel like we're we're Getting lucky, but I'm going to, as Alex said earlier, just enjoy it and not critique it too much because so often we've been on the other side of that coin. Well, as Roger Daltrey once said, be lucky. Um, you know, the last thing too, at least from from my angle, is let's not forget the impact that the Goodison crowd can have. Um, it's good to see a strong American, Garrett Post, representing at Parrot Ghost was sat in the street end. Atmosphere was fantastic. Limbs for Mopay's goal were immense. Massive three points. I'm over the moon. Is he coming back? Like, I feel like I, Garrett's been over there for, I mean, wh- who gets I to do him. that? I know. What he is said, up with that? He said he's staying until the World Cup. Like, what is that? Who do you he's think you are, Garrett Post? He's there for the Derby. He's been there for like three weeks now. You know, most people are lucky to get over for a single game. He's just posted up in Liverpool like temporary residency over there. It's I'm, I'm, I'm just very jealous, I guess. He saw the U.S. men's national team kit release and decided that he's just going to pound across the sea. <laughs> oh, my God. Those those white things are the this is going to derail the pod. So I'm not going to say anything more, but that is truly an utter <laughs> embarrassment. But thanks. Shout out to Fanatics for somehow screwing up the prices on the Everton home kit because I got one for like eight dollars. Uh, thanks. And one for my kid. And I have to admit the home kit. There's uh, some nice details in there. I like the little tower in the back. So it's not as bad as we think. But I think the U.S. national team kits are every bit as bad as we think. But either way, I mean, the Goodison crowd seemed amazing tonight. I love the videos. I finally saw it of Onana taking someone's cell phone and doing selfies with it of him in the crowd. That was hysterical. Um, There is good attitude about this team right now in the Goodison crowd. They're definitely, definitely thriving from them. And long may that continue. Yeah, it's safe to say I think there's just a general feeling of good vibes around Goodison Park and Everton Football Club at the moment. And it's nice to just sort of bask in that and enjoy it while it lasts because it's been a long time since we've had this. Um, So I think that's probably a good note to end on, gentlemen, unless we have any final thoughts. My final thought is up the international break toffees. Get the ball to Wobi. (laughs) Get the ball to Wobi and... Up the international break toffees. Perfect place to end. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed the show, one last plug. Please leave us a rating and review. Podcast platform of choice. If you want to follow us on social media, at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on all of them. Give us a follow. And join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. We'll get you right in, into the conversation. Uh, otherwise, I think we're taking a uh, a little bit of a break because none other than Mr. Alex Johnson will be tying the knot this next weekend and the ATP squad will be there in attendance. So we'll keep you guys posted on when the next episode will drop, but we'll be celebrating a different occasion next weekend. So stay tuned for more until then. And until next time up the toffees.